Are you a marketer, consultant, or creative who started your business with a specialized skill? And then before you know it, you have a lot of work coming in, more than you can handle by yourself, but you're saying yes to everything. You're working 24-7 and it isn't the life you dreamed of as a business owner. Well, in this episode, we explore that journey with Trevor and hear how he transitioned from freelancer to agency, including the mistakes he made and the key things he learned. Welcome to the Small But Mighty Agency Podcast. If you're a creative consultant or agency owner who wants to know what the roller coaster ride really looks like to grow your business from one to many, you're in the right place. My guest and I pull back the curtains on the realities of growing and running agencies of different sizes and what it takes to build a team. And if you're anything like me, you want more than the highlight reel. You want to learn from the mistakes of others so that you can stop short of making the same mistakes. I'm your host, Audrey Joy Kwan. I spend my days as a coach and consultant to multiple six and seven figure agency owners. For the last seven years, I've been behind the scenes helping people grow, lead, and operate small but mighty agencies. Here at the Small But Mighty Agency podcast, we'll uncover what works and equally as important what didn't work to get these business owners to where they are today. Today, we explore Trevor's journey from freelancer to agency owner. Over the course of this year, I've spoken to marketers who are in full-time jobs, perhaps as a chief marketing officer and out of a desire to create more freedom for themselves, have either thought of or took the leap into starting their own businesses. In this episode, we'll explore Trevor's journey this year from freelancer to agency model. And if you're curious about transitioning your team to have more capacity, hear what worked and didn't work for Trevor Longino. Hi, Trevor. Welcome to the Small But Mighty Agency podcast. Tell us a little bit about your agency. Sure thing. Hi, I'm Trevor. I run Crowd Tamers. We're an agency that helps B2B SaaS startups launch from zero to about $2 million a year in revenue. And that's a very pithy pitch that's taken me about four months of practice to figure out. So like, part of what's worth talking about is how you get there. Right. I hear you on that. Sometimes the shortest pitch, the 30-second pitch, is the hardest. The more shorter the content, the harder the content. But thank you for sharing a little bit about you. Who's on your team right now? So right now there's me, obviously. I have Somia, who is a marketing, something of a generalist, but she works in performance marketing and content marketing. I have Rameshwar, who is my graphic designer. I have Ritvik, who's working on uh, lead generation and email marketing. I have Jesus, who does uh, Google Ads and PPC type stuff. That's my team. So Trevor, tell us what services you offered as a freelancer. Sure. So I had 20 plus years of experience as as a generalist marketer, CMO, like I worked my way up the ranks. And what I was offering as I got into full-time freelancing, like really seriously, was I did anything, right? I'd work in the startup space largely because it's what I was familiar with, but I did dabbled in events, did a lot of performance marketing, content marketing, uh, team leadership, like goal setting, budget setting, all this kind of strategy as well. Because I had such a broad base of skills, almost anybody who said I have a marketing problem, I go, yeah, sure, I can help you. It sounded like you were a CMO, a chief marketing officer for hire. Yes, I was very much, I had been billing myself as a fractional CMO. And so a lot of companies where I was working at and successful, they had a, a small team not very experienced team. And I would be spending a lot of my time managing their team fractionally. 
I know that you were a very successful freelancer. Uh, you had shared some numbers. So can you just tell the audience as a freelancer, what were your numbers like when it was just you? So as I was running as a freelancer, I was very reliably doing between 100 to 150 a year, a uh, thousand that is, right? Not 150. <laughs> um, and had was billing my time out at around 100 plus an hour. And you had mentioned that there was a point as a freelancer where you were pulling in like $36,000 a month. Yeah. And can you tell us about how that that looked like for you as a business owner, as a freelancer? Sure. It was, I had made the conscious decision at the beginning of, of this year that I wanted to switch from solopreneurship or freelancer to running a business, an agency. And as part of that, I decided to take on a lot of work, more work than I would usually want. My goal, I'd set myself for the last year, I wanted to end 2020 making 150K a year working part-time. And uh, instead, what I found myself doing as I reached like February of this year was I was earning way more than 150K, but I was also working 18-hour days. I was getting up at five in the morning and going to bed at like midnight. And it was all work. And uh, I had done that thinking I would quickly transition to hiring a team and they take the work away. And the problem I discovered was I have been doing marketing for 20 years. I have a very broad base of experiences and can do anything that needs solving. And you can't get a team member who fits that role at a price that lets you scale a business. Right. So you were stacking in all the work thinking that that was the best path for you to build a team, have all the work and then hire someone to come in and be a generalist like you were. But what you found was that it was very hard to find that person. And so what did you do when when that happened, when you realized you had all this work and you were unable to find that person that could help slide in and be the you in the business? So I think finding somebody who fit my profile right, would have required fundamentally a co-founder, somebody who had a decade or two of experience in marketing and could also be that same sort. And that was what I was looking to do, really. So I hired somebody who I knew was quite good. She's a very good marketer, but also quite early stage in her career. She's, I think, 24. And she had graduated from school with a CS degree, computer science, and then moved into marketing. So her background was quite thin in the marketing area. But she could execute and she was gung-ho. So cool. I hired her on and thought I could hand off more work to her than I could, and then realized I either had to find somebody really senior to join in a real hurry or start cutting clients because I couldn't keep working these hours. I was just exhausted all the time, and I didn't see my family ever. That's a bad combo, right? And so I chose, I've written about this some, I first got rid of a client who was paying me 12K a month. That's a hard one to say no to. Uh, then got rid of a client paying me 5.5K a month. And kept trying to trim down to where I had a client base I could manage while I built the business. And in the end, what's happened is from March till now, right? That's March, April, May, June, and here we are, I guess, July. So six months, I have no clients now that I had back then. And usually my client life cycle is more than six months. But to change from agency to business took a complete transformation in who I service and how I service them. But I had the runway to do it because I had all these freelance clients who I was slowly you know, handing off and ending relationships with. Thanks for sharing, Trevor. It sounds like what you did was let go of the wrong clients to create more space for you to build a team. Letting go of the wrong clients isn't easy because it's hard for a business owner to say no to revenue. What else did you try? I've got to figure out what my agency does, right? Who I'm providing services to, because as I'm discovering, it's not as easy to make the jump from freelancer to agency as I had thought 
then I begin to have to build a business under me to taper things off. So a lot, a lot of parts are moving at once. And the flexibility of hiring an agency, right, who you don't have, like, I don't have a, a payroll, really. You're just someone who I'm paying month to month or week to week to do a thing. And so I hired a design agency, right? One of those all you can eat, pay a flat fee a month design agencies. Uh, and they did really good work, but they take four days to turn around something I could do in three hours. And so all the time, because I'm running late on every deadline, because I'm so overwhelmed, I'm just doing the work. So they weren't valuable. And then content agency, same problem. They weren't valuable. And so I, I had to understand what work needed doing and see that a lot of the agencies I was working with as subcontractors because they have all their own work and life problems, right? They weren't agile enough for what I needed. Got it. At this time, you have one employee in your business and your thought was to build more capacity, you can outsource to other specialized agencies. But what you found was that turnaround times didn't work to serve your clients. Right. That is, their incentives are obviously different than my incentives as a, a business owner, right? I want to fulfill a need instantly. If they pay flat fee by the month, they're incentivized to just keep do enough work to keep you happy, right? It's a different, different need. So I tried to move to freelancers, agencies, contractors, whatever. I was part of a few freelancing organizations where you could, in theory, farm the work out. I just found the overhead of going to kind of like a Fiverr type place, although it was, in theory, a higher quality of worker, of saying, hey, I've got this job I need done. Mm -hmm. I have to send the ask out. I have to wait a week or two to get everybody in, find the right person, discover, oh, you don't have time after all to do it, go to my second pick. Like The overhead of managing this made it immensely impractical when I had to have 18 different skill sets, right? I couldn't just say, oh, I'm going to do this one thing over and over again. Cool. I can find the one provider who I like. Because I was so generalist at the time, it was so hard to find anybody who could duplicate a, a piece of what I do. And so over time, I distilled what I do into narrower and narrower and narrower vision. Okay. I love what you just said there. So what you were saying is that to build your agency, one of the things that you thought to do was to build a, a community of other freelancers to come together, right? And what happened was every time you had a new scope of work come through the door, you would go to this platform and you would write up kind of the scope of work and put it out there and hopefully bring in the right contractors. And of course, the challenge there is that you are waiting for people to reply to that posting, which creates a time gap between you being able to start work for the actual client that you had. And then there is the matter of managing people who had other scopes of work on their desk and weren't fully dedicated to your business, which again, made it easier, uh, sorry, made it harder, I would say, for you to, to, to serve the clients. Yes. And I run my agency on a rather non-traditional ways, uh, both in terms of tool set, in terms of processes, and even in terms of like some of my business fundamentals. So mm -hmm. finding a random agency member that could sock it into how I do things was yet another complication still, right? And so in the end, better to focus on doing something really, really well and building a team around that narrow focus thing than to keep trying to be as broad as I had been. Did you know that I have a free team growth roadmap? 
imagine if you didn't spend all day, every day in the weeds of running your business. That can mean more flexibility, more freedom, less overwhelm. I created the Team Growth Roadmap to help my clients gain direction on the strategic systems and leadership actions for a streamlined business and a self-managing team to grow your business. Inside the roadmap, I share my compass method, an acronym for each step of the roadmap to get you out of the weeds of running your business and help you have a small but mighty team that gives you more freedom and flexibility. You can get all the details over at AudreyJoyQuan.com. That's A-U-D-R-E-Y. J-O-Y-K-W-A-N.com or click the link in the show notes right there in your podcast app. Back to the show. How did you determine who you needed to hire into your agency? Over the, whatever, this eight months of reflection on what I do best, because I've taken a dozen different companies to more than 2 million a year in the past, right? And I have a series of things I do to get there. And then how do I distill those down into a packageable concept and the teachable concept so my team can do it? And as I've thought through all that, a lot of what I'm doing is performance ads on social media, right? So I know I need a team that can do with that. And that's buying ads, that's making them look good. So there's Somia and Rameshwar, right? Once you have got, most of my clients are B2B and they're SaaS. Once you've got somebody who signed up for the trial, what do you do with them? Well, email is how you're keeping in touch with them, how you're trying to drive them into an action. I better have an email specialist on board to help close the bottom of the revenue loop for my clients, right? And so with that in mind, then I know I, I, these are the services I am most discreetly providing, right? The, the biggest chunks I can do, hire people to solve those problems. And then, you know, now like, what do I do? I mean, I lead the company. I do sales for my company. I do strategy. I still do the occasional random odd thing that no one knows how to do because it's like, well, client needs this. Sure, we'll pitch in. But it is, uh, I try and keep our scope largely focused in what my team is capable of doing. If I take on contract work that's not in there, I screwed up, right? Because and I'm the one who inherits the problem of it because I'm the guy who has to do all the work then. It sounds like rather than doing it all, discovering where your delivery zone of genius is has helped you create a lean team that you can scale. Can I ask you what your goals are for the agency? Two years ago now, a little bit, I got deathly ill, was in the hospital for three weeks in the ICU for one week. I had pneumonia just completely like destroy one lung. And then three weeks later, my twin daughters were born and I already had a son. But at this point now, I've got three kids very nearly like come within a whiskers edge of death, right? And also looking at 40, these are all a combination of things that make you evaluate your life. And nobody ever got rich working a nine to five. And I don't necessarily want to be rich, but nobody ever got to the independence of, well, let me do what I want and not what someone else tells me to working a nine to five. Like I did this week, my son has a gap between day camp and school. This whole week, he's just been home. And so, you know, we sit on the couch together. I work not as much as I usually would. I've taken him out for ice cream. We've had burgers and pizza. His mom is mad at me because all he's eating is junk food. But like, I got to do that, right? And in a nine to five job, that's not a possible thing. And getting that time with my son, who, I mean, he's got, he's the older one, right? He's got two younger sisters now. And there's, of course, sibling jealousy, right? He used to be the precious only one. And now he's got to compete with two extremely boisterous little girls. So like him getting some time with his dad and alone and, and having that special time was great for him too. Like that ability matters to me. And nobody ever, when they're 90, looking back at their life goes, I wish I'd worked more. 
Like, that's not the regret you hear about. And I'm aware of the fact that I have to work now to pay bills. Yes, eating is good. I'm a big fan of it. But I also do carry in my mind, right, stoic philosophy, memento mori, whatever you want to think about, right? This all can go away. And if it all goes away, I don't want my last thought to be, man, I wish my kids liked me better. Man, I wish my wife didn't hate me, right? That's what matters more in life than the business. So part of how I build this, right, I'm giving work I can give to my team. And right now I'm still working a whole lot. I'm probably doing 50 hours a week. That's fine. I'm building up a business I've got. Probably I'll end up with four or five different separate mechanisms to drive leads to my business every month. And when I've got all those built up, they should be somewhat self-maintaining, right? I should be able to work a little less, have more time with the family. And that's kind of my goal is what they call a lifestyle business, right? Your average uh, Silicon Valley investor sneers at someone who makes a good, comfortable six figures a year, right? Oh, it's a lifestyle business. It's not real money. Screw you, guy, right? 99% of people don't have a lifestyle business life, right? Don't talk back to me. The word success is subjective. For example, I have a different vision of what I want for myself in the next five years than my next door neighbor. And I agree that success is defined by our wants and needs, not a generalized prescription. If someone wants to build a conglomerate, go for it. If you want a lifestyle business, go for it. In the past six months, you were able to go from working 17-hour days to eight to 10-hour days now and build a team while being profitable. That's success. And you're just starting. Speaking of a lifestyle business, when I work with marketers and consultants who have a very specialized skill set, they often bring up building or creating a course before they've established their agency. It's two different business models that require different energies. What are your thoughts on that? Part of why I decided not to go that route was not knowing enough of how to distill what I do now into a digestible course. That's one. Two, it is, like most things, harder than it looks. Back in February, I joined two different cohort-based courses because I wanted to see someone else do it to understand how much work it took. And I went, woof, that's a whole lot of work. Now, that said, I'm not saying no because my goal for Crowdtamers as a company is to help 1,000 startups reach a million dollars a year in revenue in the next seven years. And part of that is going to have to be an educational effort. Part of that is going to end up being, because like my agency can't serve a thousand clients. That's not going to happen. I'm not building the next YPNB, right? I need a way to enable people to self-serve into these problem solvings. I've got four business books I will be writing. I've got a course that I may well set up. And I also have a SaaS platform that if I'm going to accomplish my goal, I will end up having to build. It sounds like you have big plans for the future and building the agency will give you the solid foundation you need to launch into those areas. That's correct. I do have a distinct philosophy of marketing that is a little different than anyone else I have seen. And I write about it on my blog. I'll plug it, crowdtamers.com forward slash blog. Trevor, before we wrap up here, I want to ask you, hey, what keeps you inspired and at your very best? I think... As I've alluded to, right, having kids inspires me. Some of the business practices I have, like, for example, I do revenue share, right? I 28% of the profits of my company goes back to the team. And part of that is because I want to be the kind of person who my kids don't think of as, you know, oh, yeah, he built a business and he made money, but man, his employees don't like him, or man, his employees have a rough time of it. And I don't want their kids to think of their boss, their parents' boss as, man, that guy's an a-hole, Right. If my whole team has managed to achieve a, a win, right, we should all share in it. If we do 100K in a month and I can put 15,000 in the back in everyone's pockets, awesome, right? 
we should all benefit from that. Um, that kind of making me want to build a better business and maybe be a little better person is inspired by wanting to be someone my kids can admire. How do you distribute your profit share across your team? So I use the old-fashioned methods as developed by the Buccaneers in the 1700s. <laughs> what is that? Uh, every team member gets a share, and some team members get a half share or I mean, I don't have any, but theoretically a quarter share is possible. And you can go up to a, a quadruple share for the captain of the of the pirate ship, right? And the idea is I'm building crews. And my, my crews in Crowd Tamers will probably be five-person teams. And then each crew runs relatively independently. And they profit share most of their revenue, right? profit shared amongst them based off of the the client they serve and the work they do, right? And it's theoretically an even split except the strategist, the one who runs everything, the the captain of the crew gets a double share. And otherwise it's even spread because everyone in a five-person team is contributing theoretically pretty equally to the success, right? And if Crowd Tamers becomes the company it might be, there will be a number of five-person crews all sailing their own little pirate ships on the ocean of commerce. I love that you're thinking uh, right off the bat, six months into having an agency, how to reward the people that work for you for doing great work. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, I hire people all over the world, right? I've got team members in Ukraine, in India, maybe hiring someone in the Philippines soon, right? And they're cheaper economies. So I'm able to build a business faster because I can hire, right, five people on right now we're doing, I think, 29K a month, something like that. And, but the flip side of that to me is if we're generating a whole bunch of money, they should get paid more like a Western salary. And that comes in a way of profit share. It also attracts an entrepreneurial mind, right? They can say, I, of course, I want to work hard and push and align myself around the goals for the company because I know if I do, we succeed. Trevor, if you were to do the last six months all over again in terms of building up your team and having this agency model, what would you keep the same and what would you do differently? Oof, that's a tough question. I generally only really learn what I should have learned from my mistakes a couple years later. The more I reflect on the things I've done wrong, like with distance, the more I go, oh, that, see, this is what you should have learned when you did that. Well, I do differently. I think I set a high goal for myself, which is fine, but I also pushed way too hard because I'd written down a number, right? Like there's no reason why I should work 17 hour days looking back on it. I was miserable. And my whole reason of building a business and an agency was so I wouldn't have to work for a boss I hated again. And then here I am working for an a-hole boss who I hate, right? Yourself? Giving Me, yourself yeah. 17 hours Me. a day? Yeah. What kind of... What, <laughs> I, you, anyone would hate a boss who's like, hey, can you just work until you drop from exhaustion and then wake up again and do it tomorrow? Like, no, man, get out of here. But I did it to myself, <laughs> right? So that was taking on all those clients. And I didn't even like... At least one of those clients... I wasn't a good fit forever, right? Like I shouldn't have even taken them, but I was like, I need to front load a bunch of work so I can earn the money to hire the team. And so they, like, I didn't do right by them particularly. I, I called it quits pretty fast. I think it was maybe two months and I went, this is no good. Like, like I'm, I'm working too much. You don't like me. Like you, you don't like me much less my marketing. Like just let's, let's call this quits. Uh, but I wouldn't have front loaded so much, right? It could, I could grow slower. I didn't need to feel that pressure to grow this as fast because it, done the same. The team I have, the people are good, right? I like them all. I would not have hired anyone differently, I don't think. Two of my three full-time team members are people who I did not intend to hire. 
I knew they were good people and they became available. So I said, well, work for me and we'll figure it out. And okay, that's working, right? If you have to hire to fill need in your agency, I think you're way better finding a person who you know is good and then letting them fill the role they can in your org than you are saying, here's my laundry list of things I want. Let me hire somebody and hope they fit, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can teach skill. It's really hard to teach someone to not be unpleasant. Thank you for sharing that, Trevor. I would agree that you can't train character and having people with the desired values and characters on your team can help you multiply your momentum. Trevor, if people want to connect with you, where can they find you? Well, so there's only one Trevor, well, there are two Trevor Longinos on the internet, but one of them is like a 58-year-old accountant. So I'm not that one. Um, If you search for my name, right, Trevor Longino, I think the first three pages of Google are me. You can find me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Trevor Longino, on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Trevor Longino. And you can find my website at confusingly crowdtamers.com. Not under my name, sorry. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. We'll get those into the show notes. Thank you so much for being here. Yes, ma'am. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a blast. Thanks for listening to the Small But Mighty Agency podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes. It would mean the world to me. Or send a screenshot on Instagram while tagging me at Audrey Joy Kwan. 